Well, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We, uh, let me just catch us up real quick. We were in Genesis 12 uh, last week, and I kind of mentioned to do the narrative lectionary to go through the year. Uh, We'll have to, uh, can't hit every story. But last week we looked at Abraham and Sarah and the promise of God to have a child to make them a blessing to the world. Abraham and Sarah do have a child named Isaac, um, and Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And uh, most of us know that story. Jacob was the second born, but he steals his brother's birthright. And uh, Jacob becomes, uh, he receives the blessing from Isaac and will be the promise bearer. And Jacob has 12 sons. And that's where we're going to catch up here. We're reading chapter 39, and we're going to read about Joseph, but I'll, I'll fill out the story as we get into it. Joseph is the younger of the sons. Um, and I think we'll be encouraged by his story for us today. So Genesis chapter 39. So we're going to read the whole chapter, so bear with me. Uh, verses 1 through 23. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an office, officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had bought him down there. The Lord is with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all he had had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge and with him there. He had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome and good looking. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look with me here. My master has no concern about anything in his house. And he has put everything that he has in my hand He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie beside her or to be with her. One day, however, she went into the house to do his work, and while no one else was in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, he had fled outside. She called out to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us this Hebrew to insult us. He came in to lie with me here, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Then she kept his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. When his master heard the words and his wife had spoken to him, saying, This is the way your servant treated me, he became enraged. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He remained there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph 
and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all that the prisoners who were in the prison and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. I'm sure you've never felt this way, um, but maybe some of us have, that we wish we just had a normal family. Have you ever said to yourself, can't I just be in one of those normal families where nothing ever happens and where there's no drama, nothing's going on? Have you ever felt like that? I know I sure have. Why is my family the weird one? Um, Well, if you ever ask that question, or maybe, uh, let me say this, if you're the person with a normal family where nothing ever really exciting happens, if you're, yeah, I see some head shaking like, no, that's not me. Um, If you're ever wondering, though, you are a part of a family that has had some family drama because you're a part of the people of God. And from the very beginning, from Abraham and Sarah, and we didn't look at it, There's been mischief, there's been drama, there's been deceit. And we see that in Jacob's family. Jacob, the the son who receives the blessing from Isaac and is to be the blessing bearer, he has 12 sons, uh, beautiful 12 sons. This is, we can see the start of God's people beginning. These are the 12 tribes of Israel as they'll become. These are the foundations that the people of Israel built on. And what do you see? Boy, those 12 sons, uh, they're rambunctious bunch. Uh, They cause some problems, right? Um, Joseph comes along in the 12 sons, and he's younger, and and, uh, Isaac, uh, excuse me, Jacob had him in his old age, and so he's kind of a favored son. I was accused of being the favored son sometimes since I was the last one. Um, It's not true, though. They they were hard on me. No. Um, But so, so Jacob favored him, and so much so that we know the coat of many colors gave him this beautiful coat, Oh, and the brothers started to despise Joseph, right? Oh, Joseph, we can't stand him. You know, he's got that nice coat. Dad likes him more than us. And then Joseph starts dreaming dreams. God begins to give him dreams. And Joseph at this time is a 17-year-old, and 17-year-olds often don't know when to keep their mouth shut, do they? And Joseph goes and tells his brothers, hey, guess what? I've been dreaming. Basically, let me give you the cliff note version. Y'all are going to bow down to me one day. And they say, oh, great, thanks for telling us that. That's just what we wanted to hear. And it gets on their nerves. They start to grow frustrated and angry with their brother. And this is how messed up they were. They started to say, let's kill him. Let's be rid of him. We don't need him. He's not better than us. We're tired of him. And so they start, the 12 original brothers of Israel start to conspire against one another. And finally, a few of them said, though, they realized uh, maybe we shouldn't kill him because his blood will cry out to God, but let's still get rid of him. Uh, Let's get him out of here. So they throw him in a deep, darn cistern or a well. And uh, some of the other brothers are starting to feel bad. And they say, no, let's keep him alive. And they want to rescue him, right? But it doesn't happen because before he can be rescued out of the well, Joseph's brothers say, hey, actually, why don't we not just get rid of him? Let's make a profit. And let's sell them into slavery. Joseph is the first one to read about in the Bible that is sold into slavery, what we call today human trafficking. 
But Joseph was a victim of that. He is sold into slavery by his brothers. They actually used his clothes, that, that cloak of many colors. They dipped it in blood and took it to Jacob and said, See, a an wild animal killed your son Joseph. So Joseph, we find, is sold into slavery, and that's where we pick up the story here. Um, we pick it up in chapter 39. And uh, Joseph is sold to Potiphar. He's a very, he's captain of the guard of Pharaoh. And uh, Joseph, at this point, has had a very bad go of it. I mean, many of us, that would be the demoralizing blow to us that we're sold into slavery by our own family. And yet we read at the beginning of chapter 39 this weird thing. Scripture says that God is with Joseph. Boy, if you're an outside reader and you don't know how God works, you may have fooled me, right? Joseph just got sold in slavery. His family tried to kill him. And now he's serving in a foreigner's land, in the land of Egypt, the captain of the guard. But God is with him in a powerful way. And we see that uh, that is true, that Joseph is taking care of his things and God blesses him and blesses the Egyptian's household because of him. And things are just going great. Joseph uh, is already, we can see he's a born leader. And uh, uh, Potiphar sees it and he puts everything in charge under Joseph because he's doing such a great job. God is with Joseph in a powerful way. And so we can say, man, look, God is rescuing Joseph's story. God's with him. We can see his trajectory rising. Okay, this is getting better. We can handle this. And Joseph becomes in charge of everything. But then once again, just like with his brothers and his dreaming, bumps up against jealousy and anger, Joseph's blessing, his calling, who he is, bumps up against the world once again. And this time, it's his master's wife. She sees him, and the scripture does say that Joseph is attractive, but we need to be clear about what's happening here. That Joseph's, I mean, uh, Potiphar's wife sees him, and, and she wants to lie with him, and she keeps trying to control him to, to lie with her, and he keeps refusing. And this is kind of a same old story that's been playing itself, itself out throughout history. And whether it's a man or a woman, what's happening here is a person in power sees someone they want to control. That Joseph, she can see that Joseph is not only handsome, but he's powerful, that he is born to lead, that he is gifted, and yet she has power over him and she wants to exploit that. This is a story of the powerful exploiting the vulnerable for their own selfish gains. And this is a story we see out ad nauseum and the news if you've turned on the news in the last 30 years but it's nothing new that the powerful what we see we shouldn't be surprised when the powerful have these sexual scandals because it is a sign of a deeper sinful state of selfishness that we would exploit another person in the most vulnerable way possible that someone would cast their eyes in a position of power on someone they can take advantage of and it's not just about sex. It is about a deeper sinful state of selfishness and a hunger and thirst for more power over people. So whether it's a politician or whether it's a media executive or whether it's a pastor or a teacher, 
we see this same story play out. And it's a story of a sinful, power-hungry, selfish person trying to exert that power over someone who's vulnerable. Whether it's a man or a woman, that's what's happening here in this story. But Joseph, though, he could have given into the situation. He could have taken advantage of the situation. But he sees it for what it is. And he refuses it. First, he says, my master's put everything in charge of what I have. Why would I break his trust? But the deeper issue is, why would I sin against God in this horrible way? I won't do it. What's happening here is the world is trying to take advantage of Joseph's blessing and his trajectory of who God is making him to be, and he stands up to it, and he doesn't give in. But finally, the refusal, she can't take it. And uh, once again, we shouldn't miss the connection here that Joseph's clothes, remember when his clothes were used to uh, trick his father, now his clothes are being used against him again. And she grabs, has his garment, says, see, look, he, he tried to lay with me, get this Hebrew. And when she says Hebrew, that's a, a pejorative term, trying to you know, demean him. Look what you did, he brought this guy in here, now he's trying to get with me, get him out of here. And of course, Potiphar's enraged and throws him in to prison. And he's locked up in the Pharaoh's, in the king's prison. And here, once again, we see Joseph thrown into captivity. Just when things were looking up, just when we saw what God was going to do with Joseph, he ends up in prison once again. I wonder if at this point in the story, some of us can relate to Joseph. We come to church, come to Bible studies, and we hear God's with you. God's going to bless you. God's going to use you. And yet, sometimes when we go out in the world, things may be looking up for a time, but then we get knocked back down. Maybe the cancer returns when we were sure God had taken it away. Maybe it's when that job you have been praying for becomes a nightmare. Maybe it's when you've been praying for that family member to reconcile with you, but then they just turn and hurt you some more. See, I think Joseph is a very relatable character for us because we are the people who do believe and know and trust that God is with us, and yet sometimes we get knocked down. And not just once, and not just twice, but repeatedly by the people who are supposed to love us and care for us. That being a person of the blessing does not mean that we will maybe be thrown into captivity, that we won't suffer, that we won't have trials and difficulties. I think at Joseph's point in this story, we've heard that God is with him, and yet we keep on seeing him get knocked down and knocked back in the worst possible ways. None of us can say our brother sold us into slavery. And yet, just when I would be ready to give up, I may not have, I, actually, I probably would have given up after my brothers tried to kill me and sell me into slavery. But if nothing else, after I get then sent to jail, I don't know how you keep going, but Joseph does. Joseph doesn't stop. He doesn't give up. He just keeps going. And, and do you see, 
the beautifulness of it, that Joseph not only keeps going, but he keeps being a blessing wherever he goes. Even if that's in the home of slavery, even if that's in the very prison itself, we can still see the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 being the blessing to the world. And whatever circumstance he is, he keeps going and he continues to be a blessing. I think what we see here in the story this morning for Joseph is what I've termed being a blessing without breaking. That's really the challenge, I think, for many of us in our lives, that we know that God is with us. We know we are called to be a blessing and sent out into the world to share Christ's love. But the challenge is, is that we won't break when we get out there and encounter the world, right? There's two ways I see in Joseph's story that he's tempted to break or that many of us break. One, the first way is that Joseph doesn't allow the tragedy of his life to break him. So many times we will, we all will suffer. We all will go undergo tragic events. Some may not be as strenuous as your neighbor or Joseph, but we all will. And the temptation is, is to give up or allow that to break our spirit. And that's common to all of us. It's not unique. It's something we should be aware of. But Joseph doesn't allow it to break him. And we're going to get to see how, how he does that. So the first is tragedy. Tragedy is always a temptation to break us. But the second is sin, temptation. The second way he was tempted to, uh, to break, to be, not to be the blessing he was called to be, is when Potiphar's wife had, comes to him. And it may not be in that way, but we all will be tempted to give in to the ways of the world. Maybe it will say, ah, you know, don't take that way of blessing. Why don't you come over here and uh, despise these people with us? Why don't you get on board with A, B, and C? That's definitely not the way of the Lord. When we're the people of blessing, the world will try to knock us off track and try to conform us to the world's way. And that we serve God who is steadfast love and who we are to represent. So tragedy and temptation to, to, to not follow who Christ is. That's the way that we end up breaking and we see that Joseph doesn't. And so if you don't want to break, if we are people who want to stay faithful, if we want to continue to be the blessing, here's what not to do. And here's what we don't see Joseph do. But sometimes we're tempted to. What Joseph doesn't do is every time he gets knocked down, he doesn't ask, why did God let this happen to me again? He didn't wallow in why he was there. He didn't give in to distrusting that God was faithful. We all, when, we, when you go through a tragic event, it, it will be natural. And um, you know, it, it don't keep on more guilt when you start to say, man, why am I here? Uh, why did God put this in my life? We all will get to that point. But if you stop there, if you allow that question to control you and, and overcome you, you will be stuck in that place for the rest of your life. Joseph doesn't get caught up in the question of, why did God allow this to happen? Why am I here? You know what the, we don't see it expressly said by Joseph, but you know the question I can tell he's asking himself? Now that I'm here, 
What's God going to do with this? How can God use this? That's the question of how you become a person of blessing without breaking. We all will undergo trials, but in our trials, in our tragedies, in our brokenness, in our pain, if we're willing to ask the question, what can God do with this? How will God use this maybe in my life or in other lives? How can I be a blessing even here and now in prison, in captivity, wherever I'm at? It comes from a place of faith knowing that God can use it. And because Joseph was willing to ask that question, because he did that, because he was a blessing without breaking, oh my goodness, it's miraculous to see how God does use him in mighty ways. So he goes in prison. Let's just fast forward a little bit because we're not going to look at Joseph's story anymore this year. Uh, Joseph goes to prison. He's actually in prison for quite a while. He meets a uh, a cupbearer of the king, and he helps the cupbearer out, and he says, hey, when you get out, tell Pharaoh, you know, help me out. Tell him I'm a good guy. Vouch for me when you get out there. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I get on the outside, I'll help you out. Does he do that? No. He forgets all about him. And for years, Joseph sits in prison, waiting and trusting, right? Finally, the cupbearer remembers him and mentions him to Pharaoh, and, and Joseph ends up being a great help to Pharaoh, and so much that he sees the leadership and the, the blessing of Joseph in such a powerful way, Pharaoh makes him second in command over the entire kingdom. You know how long that took? When Joseph was first betrayed and sold into slavery, he was 17 years old, and when Pharaoh made him second in command, he was 30. While that's not a long time in the grand scheme of things, to live in captivity and prison for 13 years when you believe God has blessed your life and God is with you, that's a long endurance. And so he goes from being the person who's sitting in prison, wondering if he's going to rot there, he goes to be the person that when they, he's driving down the street, there's a guy shouting to everybody, bend the knee. Here comes Joseph. What can God do with this. It's miraculous. And Joseph, uh, yeah, he was a blessing in Potiphar's house. He was a blessing even in prison. But now that he's on the grand stage, he's even a bigger blessing. God uses him in powerful ways to save the entire region, really. A large famine comes. A famine that's even affecting his family back at home, but definitely affecting Egypt. And God used Joseph to protect the land and so they could store up enough grain and the famine's so bad that his family actually has to come back to Joseph to receive help. Oh, they don't know it's Joseph. They think they're going down to the land of Egypt to ask Pharaoh for some grain. And what happens? Joseph's dream comes true. His brothers don't recognize him, but they come and they bow down to him, asking for help. Long story short, Joseph, when they realize it's really his brother and they're afraid, he's going to cut off our heads. We deserve it. He can now get his revenge. He's in power over us. What does Joseph do? He seeks reconciliation. He forgives them. And here's what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50. And this really sums up what we're talking about this morning. He tells his brother, even though you intended to do me harm, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. 
You thought it was evil. You thought you were destroying me. You were getting rid of me. You were killing me. But God took that evil and that pain and that brokenness and he turned it into something beautiful. This is what God does with our lives. Joseph doesn't get knocked down by a tragedy. He doesn't get knocked down by temptation, but he continues to trust and believe that God is with him, God has blessed him, and God can use whatever is in his life to continue to be a blessing. That is what it means to be a blessing without breaking. But you folks, you should know this. We shouldn't have to go back to the story of Joseph to know this about our lives because we are Christians and we know the story of Christ. Christ who came into this world to save us, to lead us back home, to reconcile us to God. And what did we do? The first chance we got, we tried to stone him and throw him over a cliff. Time and time again, people stood against Christ. And even when they thought they had power over him, we humans tortured and killed the Son of God, thinking we would be rid of him forever, that we would have no one over us. You should see that Joseph's story really is a strong precursor to Christ's story. And yet God took that crucifixion, that evil, and made it the foundation of our salvation and reconciliation with God and raised him from the dead. The same one they put a crown on and a purple robe and mocked as king now sits at the right hand of God the Father. To every, as we sang, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Do you see Joseph's story in that? It really was a precursor to Christ. But we are those people. We are the people that know this is the story of Christ and it's our story. It's the way that we have come home to God through the broken body and shed blood. We know that God can take anything in our lives, however dark, however painful, and turn it into something beautiful. Turn it into a blessing for all those around us. So my question for us today is, are we willing to follow Jesus Christ? Are we willing to take the difficulties of life and not to break, not to give up, not to doubt, not to ask the question, why am I here? But rather, to ask the question of all of our lives, what can God do with with this? How will God use this? How can I be a blessing right where I'm at? And when we're willing to trust God in those dark and hurtful places, when we're willing to hand over our brokenness with faith, it's amazing. It's a miracle to see what God could do with it. For any of us, like Joseph, we can be a blessing without breaking. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in these moments that you would speak to our hearts as we respond to your word. I know many of us um, could be tempted to stick with the question of why are we here. But I pray that we would move in these moments to a posture of faith, that we would look to Jesus and know that you are with us, 
and you will turn our pain into something beautiful. Be with us in time of communion and prayer. May Christ be present to us, and may we open our hearts and our minds to you now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we turn to our time of response, I just invite you to have a time of prayer. As we partake in communion, you can pray in your seats. I invite you to pray in an altar about any burden you're carrying before or after you partake in communion. I think as we think of Joseph's story, it's not just Joseph that's chosen to be a blessing. We are all called to be a blessing as we are part of the body of Christ. And just ask you to offer up whatever you're dealing with. And I know we'll pray that God would take it away, but maybe God will use it in a different way. And as we come down and partake of communion, we are reminded. And I hope you prayerfully think about as you take the bread and dip it in the cup, that if God can take that broken body and that shed blood and turn it into your salvation, what can he do with your life? If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, you don't have to be a member of our church to partake in communion. All that we ask is that you're willing to say yes, that you're willing to turn over your sin, your brokenness, your pain, give your heart and life to Christ and see what he will do in you. I promise you he'll bring a transformation. And then come down and partake in communion. I'll be down here uh, if you want me to anoint you with oil to pray with you about anything. As the servers come down, I just ask, will you be a blessing? On the night our Lord was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the covenant. This is my blood shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, whenever you do in remembrance of me. When you are ready, come receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's continue in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't leave us where we're at, that you don't leave us in captivity, in pain, in brokenness, in sin, but you have rescued us. You provided the means of our salvation through your Son. And so, I, Lord, I pray that we would trust that, that we would know that, that we would believe it day in and day out, even when we get knocked back, even when we're tempted to ask, why are we here? May our eyes be focused on your son, knowing that you can raise to life anything. You can turn any evil, any pain into something beautiful and into a blessing, Lord. And so may we be that people here at Asheville First Church in the Nazarene. May we be the people of blessing. May we share the love of your son and the freedom and the reconciliation we have through your son, Lord. And may we be a blessing without breaking in our lives, that we would have courage and strength and grace to go forward, even as we have difficulties, and even as we have setbacks. May we give you praise and seek after you. 
Lord, we lift up those who are uh, enduring struggles and burdens right now in their lives. Uh, we think of those uh, with health issues. We think of Brother Ken and pray that you'd keep the infection at bay from his knee, Lord, and help the antibiotics to work and, and strengthen him, Lord. Uh, we, we pray uh, for family members that have uh, either cancer diagnosis. So we think of uh, Rip's nieces who are having uh, physical issues and a brain bleed, Lord. We pray that you'd bring healing in their lives. Uh, we think of Mikey this week, Lord, as he goes to a doctor's appointment for his aneurysm. Pray that that would be shrunken, Lord. Uh, encourage him, give him strength, and help him to trust in you. Um, there's various others, Lord, dealing with chronic pain, uh, dealing uh, with uh, whether it be post-polio or hernias, Lord, or recovering from foot surgery. We pray that your grace and your healing would be present in all of these, Lord, and may we trust you through the difficulty and know that you are with us. For those who are dealing with emotional pain, uh, whether it be anxiety or depression or family difficulty, Lord, uh, may we see Christ in these circumstances. May we see your healing and your reconciliation, Lord, and your love. And may we be faithful for, to forgive and to show love even when it's not reciprocated to us, Lord. May we be a blessing even when people may be envious or seeking to hurt us. Lord, we lift up our North Carolina District Church of the Nazarene and our brothers and sisters that were affected by this hurricane, Lord, and the rebuilding efforts, and pray that you would continue to bless them, provide for them, Lord, and help those who are going to serve with time and resources. Um, would you rebuild your kingdom, rebuild our brothers and sisters, and encourage them today, Lord. We lift up especially Brother Greg Mason as he's been working tirelessly in leadership to help those who are affected by the hurricane, Lord. Give him wisdom and grace as he leads us as a district. Um, we lift up our missionaries to you as we shared about this morning. Uh, for Shannon as she goes, for our Lynx missionaries, Lord, for all of those who are putting their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel, we pray that you would protect them and provide for them and uh, just make them the blessing to the world that you promised to Abraham. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for never leaving us. We entrust ourselves to you now. Help us to pray that prayer you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you stand with me? Speaking about being a blessing, also we have some extra food from the food pantry left over from yesterday. Um, so if you need some, please take some. But also if you maybe know of a neighbor or someone you could bless with that, please take it to them as well. But receive this benediction. You are the people of God's blessing to the world. So may you go forth, and even when you get knocked down, even when you undergo trials, may your eyes be fixed on Christ, and may you know he can take any brokenness and turn it into something beautiful.